This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Eyes On podcast. Eyes On. Eyes On. Live from the Shorter Children's Reading Festival. Now this, um, I think it's a little bit embarrassing, but Claire, I actually, if you go to my Goodreads and you go through my want to read list, Fury Born has been there for a very long time. <laughs> and I'm sorry to confess that I have yet to buy it on my Kindle or buy the physical book, but I cannot wait to talk to you all about everything about your journey, your books, because everybody, we've got Claire Legrand, the author of Imperium Trilogy, The Cavendish Home for Boys and Girls, Salco Girls, and others. Welcome to the Pulse95 studio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I, so excited. And I hope you're okay with me not reading your book yet. You know, my to-be-read list is extremely long. I, I feel you. <laughs> so the thing is, I feel like I was a massive reader when I was young, and I used to read a lot of books, I used to consume one after the other, and I keep repeating the story of how I used to come to school really early. My mom used to drop me off at the break of dawn. And I had nothing to do, so I'd always go to the library and I start reading books. At some point, I read every single book that is within my interest, and I was really bored at that point. But I, I had my own book that was always consuming them. But at some point, let's say around when I went to university, something happened where I'm not sure if it's too much studying, too much um, whatever it is. That kind of made it hard to read books. And it also goes back to when I was young, I used to say, I'm going to write a book one day, and that hasn't happened. That one day hasn't come yet. So how did that one day come to you? When did this inspiration hit you that it's time for me to write a book? That's a great question. So I've loved reading books since I was a kid, but like you... Um, with school, you get so busy that you don't have as much time to read. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was right after I graduated from high school, I had an idea for a book and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And um, I actually changed my major in college from music, I used to be a musician, mm-hmm. to literature so that I could focus on this book. It was just an idea I couldn't get out of my head. I loved it so much. I believed in it 100%. So it was almost like the book came to me and I didn't have a choice. It said, you're going to be a writer now. You're mm-hmm. going to change your life around to write this story. And that's what happened. And um, that book, years and years later, became Furyborn, uh, which is the first book in the Imperium trilogy. So it was an idea that started with a daydream and became an obsession. I love that so much because I think all of us daydream at some point and especially if you're very tired in your office, you're gonna daydream at some point, but it's very difficult to take that daydream and put it onto paper. So what I've read actually that you failed for 16 years, 16 years of trying and failing. (laughs) So where did that persistence come from? Well, first of all, just sheer stubbornness. Um, (laughs) And also, again, I loved this idea so much. And when I go speak with kids at schools, I tell them I I have all of my rejection letters when Mm. people were telling me no when I was trying to get Furyborn published years and years ago. And I unroll this big scroll of rejection letters. And throughout all of that rejection and all of those people telling me no, the thing that kept me going was my love for this book. So when I speak with students, I tell them, find the thing that feels right. The thing that when you're working on it, um, when you're experimenting with it, when you're pursuing that passion, you don't feel like you should be doing anything else. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that's what really helped me through all of that um, rejection was knowing that I cared about this story. I wasn't going to give up on it. Mm-hmm. And someday it would happen. I just, I knew that deep in my gut. I love that you believe in yourself and you kept holding on to it. And I love the sheer stubbornness. And I feel like that sometimes you'd harness that stubbornness. It's not always negative. Sometimes it's necessary. That's very true. Yeah. I love that so much. And can you tell me more about your love for young adult, the the genre itself? Mm-hmm. And was that really your passion? Was that what kept you going as well? Because we've had a lot of children authors and it was very interesting hearing that Um, that they wanted to write for children. I mean, myself, when I said, I'm going to write a book, I was thinking about young adult uh, stories as well. And that is what I grew up on. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what I always think about when I'm working on a book for a young reader, a teen reader, I think about young me. Mm -hmm. I think about teen Claire and the kind of books that she hungered for and maybe couldn't find. Yeah. One of my books, Some Kind of Happiness, is about a young girl who lives with anxiety and depression. Mm. And those are things that I lived with as a kid, but I didn't know what they were. I didn't learn what they were until years later. So I think about how wonderful would it be if I could travel back in time to young me and give her this book that I wrote that's about how she was feeling and that tells her it's okay to ask for help Mm. and that she's not alone. So that's my guiding light and my great passion when it comes to young people's literature is thinking about the books I needed when I was young Mm -hmm. and that hopefully other kids need too. And if I can help them find that book that makes them feel a little less alone and a little more seen and understood, that's the best possibility. More often than not, your book is your best friend. It's your companion. So it's always good and important for a person to see themselves through that book. And I love the fact that you chose fantasy as well. It's one of my favorite genres. And I feel like a lot of people, especially when it comes to YA fantasy, they kind of look down on it. It's very unfortunately those people claim that it's oversaturated. There's so many of them. You can name five, ten of them from the top of your head. How do you feel about that and how did you break through that where you felt that your story might be a little bit unique or even if it is very similar, how do you feel about that? Well, there are a lot of fantasy books in the young adult uh, market and I think part of the reason for that is that kids and teens, they love magic. They Mm -hmm. love imagining new worlds and new possibilities. And I also think that fantasy books can be a great escape. Yeah. And there is something very important about that. I think sometimes people say, oh, fantasy, it's escapist literature. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. But in fact, allowing especially young people the opportunity to step out of their own world for a little while, a world where they may feel alone or bullied or misunderstood, and into a world that's full of different possibilities and magic and excitement that gives them hope that gives them comfort that like you said your books become your friends Mm -hmm. and there is something so valuable in that so I'm I'm a big fan of no matter what kind of book it is no matter what genre is it literature or is it (laughs) or is it um, something more escapist all all books are valid all Mm -hmm. reading is valid it 
can bring entertainment, escape, comfort. It can introduce people to new perspectives and new ideas. And fantasy, I think, is very special in that way because a lot of fantasy, for example, takes place in a world that's not ours. Mm -hmm. And so it allows people to escape the parts of our world that are challenging yeah. and, um, and look at real world issues through this lens of another world, mm -hmm. which allows you to sort of look at real world issues with fresh eyes. Um, and as far as uniqueness, um, you know, I, I tell students this too when I visit schools. Your voice is unique and has mm -hmm. value. No one else has your life experiences, your thoughts, ideas, and memories. And so one of the best things you can do as a writer or creative person is spend time thinking about your unique experience and how to translate that into mm -hmm. a voice, um, whether it's telling a story through writing or through art or music, your voice has value because of its uniqueness. And I think if you stay true to who you are as a person, mm -hmm. even if your story has been kind of told in different ways, you'll be able to tell it as no one else will. And I love the fact that you brought up um, like what people call lowbrow or highbrow kind of um, content or literature. And I think that is something that is, it's very subjective. Same when it comes to movies, when people say, this is film, this is cinema. It is all up to you. It's a very personal thing. It's very subjective. What you feel invokes these emotions, whether it's a book that is about just romance, it's pulp fiction, or is it like a fantasy, or is it um, classic literature? If that kind of makes, leaves a spark within you, then it is a very good book, and that is what it's all about. And speaking about good books, usually it requires, especially when it comes to fantasy and all those kind of stories that are not set in the real world, requires a lot of world building. How did you go on in that process? Because even I, when I said, I'm going to write a book, again, it's going to be something around fantasy because that's what I grew up reading. But I dread the idea of needing to sit down and try to map out everything. And I feel like it's a, it requires a skill. It requires stubbornness, basically. It does. Um, honestly, there's no glamorous answer to that. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time and a lot of trial and error. Um, I, I love telling this story. So my author friend, Roshni Chakshi, mm -hmm. she, we were on a panel together once at a festival and she was talking about how at the beginning of her career, she was so worried that if she didn't get published as soon as possible, she would lose her chance somehow. Mm -hmm. Someone else would write her, her book and they would write it better. And her father said to her, Roshni, you're not a jug of milk. You don't have an expiration date. I love that. And I love that so much. And I think that that's important to keep in mind, especially when you're writing fantasy. Some of the work just comes with living in that world mm -hmm. for a long time. For the Imperium Trilogy, I spent years developing the world, spending time in the world, writing little stories that take place in the world, but didn't actually end up in the finished books. That way, when I did work on the finished books, I had all of that information in my head. I had lived in that world for years, so I was able to put that texture into the final books. Even if the details didn't end up on the page, I knew the details, mm -hmm. and so they sort of come through subconsciously in the text. Um, I also really love spreadsheets and lists, and so I organize um, components of the world that way so that I can go back and reference them as they work. 
but yeah, it takes a lot of time and that's okay. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely okay to take your time, just like you said. And it's absolutely true that we feel that we're running out of time. And this is a very common thing among millennials where we kind of feel that we're running out of time and that we have an expiry date. If you're not, haven't done anything by 30, your, your life has ended. There's nothing more beyond that. But I love the, the, the story about the expired milk. I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my life. I love that so much. Isn't that great? I it think is, about it all the time. It's, it's very interesting. It takes basically the idea, the concept that all of us are fully aware that we kind of are not running out of time. It's just some kind of construct that we've been taught that, oh, you need to achieve a certain amount of things by this age. You need to be 25. You should have your kids. You should be married. Where is your, where are your achievements? Where are your children? Where have you done this? Have you done that? Do you have your master's degree? Have you finished your bachelor's degree, et cetera, et cetera? Do you open up a business? Is it successful? Why are you failing? And et cetera. So when you, you kind of know in the back of your head that this is just a construct. It's just people just talking about things. But then when you take it and you give it a visual thing, you're like, actually they're right i shouldn't be worrying about this yeah it's really easy to worry so don't you know if you're listening to this and you relate to what we're saying don't judge yourself for having those feelings of oh my gosh i'm i'm behind i'm i haven't done all the things i'm supposed to have done by this point Mm -hmm. we all have those moments but i think the important thing is to remind yourself again and again would I talk to one of my friends this way with all of this judgment? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, and I hope it is no, then I encourage you to show that same kindness to yourself. And also, if you're a creative person, but even if you're not, whatever work you're doing, if if you keep that focus on work that you really believe in and that you really love and that you're passionate about, the time will feel like no time at all because you're spending that time, however long it takes, doing something that you love. You mentioned something about being a teenager who had to battle depression and anxiety. How exactly did you convey that through your stories? I try to, in every book I write, communicate and express a character's feelings very honestly, even Mm -hmm. if those feelings are challenging to process for the reader. Um, I think that, again, I think about young me. What would have helped her? Yeah. Honesty would have helped her. The people around me when I was young, a lot of them meant well, but they just didn't, we didn't talk about things yeah. like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think how much healthier would I have been and how much younger would I have been when I found that health Mm-hmm. If I had had books like mine and other authors who, who do the same kind of work, I also, when I'm writing about subjects like that for young people, I try to be sensitive to the fact that my readers are younger. Mm-hmm. I don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want to scare them. So I think about, again, myself, what would have scared young Claire? Mm-hmm. What would have been too much for her to deal with? Um, and what would have helped her? And I use that to guide my writing when I talk about those subjects. That is an important thing, especially it's an important perspective and an important topic to be kind of spreading out out there. So I love it so much. And I keep repeating I love it, but I genuinely do love it. And I'm loving the conversation (laughs) we are having. Me too. And my favorite question to every author we've had so far is, you mentioned Young Claire. Mm -hmm. What was Young Claire reading? Young Claire um, loved any and all books about horses. So you were a horse girl. I was a horse girl. (laughs) Yes, I was. Um, The first book I ever wrote was about a horse. 
Um, I also loved um, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle, which I read so many times that the cover fell off. Um, I also really loved Matilda by Roald Dahl. I loved The Chronicles of Narnia. I loved anything fantasy, anything with complicated girls who who felt maybe a little alone, mm -hmm. a little weird, a little misunderstood. Um, and, and those books I read over and over and over. I also love scary stuff. So I loved reading the Goosebumps series by R.L. Stein and Classic. scaring myself silly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, I loved the kind of books that I read when I was a kid. Those are the kind of books I like writing now. Fantastical, scary stories that spark the imagination and hopefully help my readers feel less alone. And I just remembered actually on your frequently asked questions on your website, somebody asked, is there going to be a TV show for your, for your series? And especially now that we see like Police Wrinkle in Time have just had another adaptation, a, a movie, and there's a lot of, uh, of well-known YA series that are being turned into TV shows and movies, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, etc. And do you feel that that is the right direction for your series as well? Is that something you want to pursue? I would love that. I've, I love movies and I love TV shows and I fantasize all the time about my books being adapted into film or television. Ultimately, I don't have a lot of control over that. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about how successful the books are, um, how many copies they sell. I mean, the really nitty gritty, not fun stuff. And um, hopefully the more successful a book is, someday a movie studio will take note. Um, but until then, I am just trying to write the best books I can, and I love writing really cinematic scenes. Um, there's this scene in Kingsbane, which is the second book of the Imperium trilogy, where one of the main characters is riding a flying horse into a storm and using her power to hold back a tidal wave. And I just want to like send that chapter to everyone in Hollywood. Look, this would be amazing. Somebody make it into a movie. Um, so yes, I fantasize about that all the time and kids are always asking, when is it going to be a movie? When is it going to be a TV show? And I just love their hope and enthusiasm. Hopefully someday it'll happen. Um, but until then, I'll just keep writing more books. I love that so much. But before we wrap up, TV show or a movie? Which one would you personally prefer? Mm, it depends on the book, but there's so much good stuff happening in television right now. I would love, for example, my book Saw Kill Girls is a scary story about three girls from different walks of life coming together to fight an ancient monster. Mm -hmm. And that would be an incredible mini-series. I think that would be so fun. Just eight episodes, that's it. And it, mm. would be, it would be wonderful. So my fingers are perpetually crossed. <laughs> For a TV show. Hopefully Netflix is tuning in right now. Maybe. Netflix, I'm your girl. <laughs> Netflix, I've got Claire here. She's ready. She's got the stories. She's got the scenes. She's ready to go. And I love that so much. And I'm the type of person who is advocates for books getting turned into TV shows rather than movies because as good as movies are sometimes they're not enough to delve deep into some character arcs and character growth and it was great having you here great chatting to you Claire it was wonderful talking with you thank you for having me thank you for being here with us unfortunately we do need to wrap up it's going to be 5 p.m. soon we need to throw the baton all the way back to the studio for our next show Yalla Home 
but you are here at the Shard Children's Reading Festival. Do you have anything upcoming for you? You have a school visit, but do you have any other um, panels happening so that our listeners can come and join you? Yes, tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. I have a panel about good versus evil in fantasy books. And I'm so excited. So that's at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. And if you're listening, I'd love to see you there. And it's the one with Sharna, is that correct? Yes, Sharna Jackson. Well, there you go. Both <laughs> of our lovely authors are going to be there. It's here at the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival at the Expo. Check out their panel. And once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you We're so gonna much. We're going to be chatting off air in a bit. And with that, we need to wrap up the special edition of Eyes On. Throwing it over to Yalla Home, Big Hath and Anna Schofield. Take over from 5 p.m. all the way till 8 p.m. Stay tuned and stay locked to Pulse 35. We come back tomorrow with more authors, workshops, panels everything in between right here on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 4 p.m.